Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Capernaum in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. We are, as of recording this and as of releasing this episode, 20 days away from the Oscars, celebrating the best films, with quotation marks around best, uh, released in 2018. And a lot of people uh, in the industry, critics, um, members of the Academy, I'm sure, have seen everything already. Uh, but many of us who, who don't have that privilege uh, haven't. There are a lot of glaring holes, a lot of films that really haven't been released stateside uh, in any prolific fashion. And uh, Capernaum is one of the foreign language film nominees from this year. And I finally got around to seeing it. It came out in uh, a theater near me, a local one, uh, this weekend. And I was able to finally go and check it off the list. Which is great. I, I think I, I'm fortunate. You know, Pittsburgh has a lot of smaller theaters that get movies like this. I uh, wish, I wish they got more. But uh, you know, not a lot of places have tiny indie theaters that will go out on a limb and screen a Capernaum or a Border or Mirai or a movie like that. And uh, if you do have one that does that, I, I really think you should support them because they're incredibly vital to film going and uh, people like us, me and I assume many of the people listening to this. So uh, with Capernaum, uh, which I saw yesterday, uh, I also got to see Mirai yesterday. That for me leaves Two feature films I have to see, Border, uh, aforementioned, which is nominated for makeup and hairstyling, and Never Look Away, which is nominated for foreign language film and cinematography. Uh, still trying to see how I'm going to track those down. Uh, there are four live-action short films I haven't seen yet, but those are going to be coming near me this coming weekend. Uh, one of the theaters by me is showing all the short films uh, in, in packages, so I'll get to see them then. And finally, period, end of sentence, which is supposed to be on Netflix. Uh, last time I looked, it just wasn't released yet. Um, and if I check now, I'm betting it still isn't. No. So uh, that's frustrating. Anyway, so th that's all I have left to see. Uh, it, even in a year like this, when most of the films, or, or rather, it's it's one of the smallest in terms of quantity of films you would need to see to have seen everything, it's still uh, disparagingly hard to see every single nominee uh, if you don't have a lot of, you know, inside connections, if you don't live in New York or L.A. Uh, these are difficult times. So, uh, but that aside, uh, today's episode is about Capernaum, um, and that's that's kind of just just talking about Capernaum. It is a, 
I believe it's a Lebanese film. I think. Yes. Lebanese film. Uh, that, de that debuted at Cannes in 2018. And in France, it played film festivals all through 2018. Um, came out in fall in Lebanon. And then um, made its U.S. debut in October at some film festivals, and uh, made it had a limited early limited release at, in mid December, but didn't come to me until like almost three month two months later. So, story of Capernaum is about a kid named Zane, Z A I N. He is twelve years old and lives uh, in Beirut. He, it, it's, it's really tough. His life is pretty awful. He has a bunch of brothers and sisters, parents who are less than supportive of the family in a sense. And his greatest attachment at the beginning of the film is to his sister, Sahar. And he, she's one, a year younger than he is. They live above. They live in this apartment that uh, the that is owned by a store owner that Zane works for. He does not go to school. And and the underlying the uh, thread in the first third of the movie or so is that Zane does not want his sister, his eleven year old sister Sahar to be traded away uh, to be married to oh man I don't know if, let me see if I can remember his name um, Assad Assad who runs this owns the store and and is who they rent the apartment from so he 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 and and I I loved the relationship between these two kids because Zane is so clearly protective of his sister, but he also, it's not in that sort of douchey, uh, you know, American high school sort of way of, I, I watched another movie yesterday called Hot Summer Nights where one of the characters goes on and on about how, you know, I'll, I'll beat up anybody who comes near my sister. And it's nothing like that. He doesn't, it's not about, this, him being protective of his sister. It's about him not trusting this guy, Assad. And when his sister uh, um, tries to... She, when, when she has her first period and he notices it, when they're off on their own together, he makes her clean herself up. He, he keeps telling her, you know, if they find out, if they find out, you know, they'll get rid of you. They'll send you away, yada, yada, yada. And at that, when that scene happens, it, it, it's a little jarring. It, it feels strange to see that. And for a second, I'm like, I, don't, I wasn't sure how much to trust him on this and whether or not he was exaggerating, whether or not he was just scared of losing his sister and wanted to protect her at all costs, and so and so and so on. But... It's not. It quickly, you know, you quickly realize that that means she has, quote unquote, matured and grown up and can be 
offered to some old guy. Assad's not an ancient, old, older man, but he's, you know, probably in his early 30s. Uh, so, yeah, she can just be given away to help the rest of the family sustain themselves. And this is the launching off point of the movie. Zane is the main character. And eventually, about a third of the way in, Sahar is given away to Assad. And it happens right as Zane is trying to run away with her and leave the entire family. You know, we've already seen at this point how resourceful Zane is. We see that he, you know, even when, when he's working, when he's, you know, dealing with adults and other kids, you know, he just, he knows, he knows the street and he knows how to handle himself, conduct himself. He knows who to watch out for, who to be afraid of, who to, who he can like, uh, well, I guess for him, he kind of just like yells at everybody. He has no reservations about getting up in somebody's face, uh, swearing at people, and it's striking, you know, because if, if a lot of the behavior he has, if you see it in your own kid here in the United States, generally it's not a good thing. It's a negative. It's something to be taught out of, in a sense. But in this movie, from the very early parts of it, it's shown as a strength. It's shown as a positive. He is really that capable of being on his own. So when Sahar is taken away, Zane leaves. He leaves the family. He, he leaves his playhouse. He gets on a bus and goes away. And at this point, he meets... Um, what's her name? Oh, it doesn't. Nadine, uh, who also goes by Tigrist. Uh, and he, he gets off the bus. He, he's trying to find a job as this 12-year-old boy. And he meets this woman who works at kind of like a theme park who has been harboring her one-year-old child in, like, the bathroom and taking care of him in there when she's at work. And she's also uh, illegal and isn't, you know, she has to forge papers to be able to stay there and continue working. And that's its own thing. And the two of them meet and, and they kind of develop a bond. And suddenly, Zane is more basically her babysitter and she goes to work she leaves the kid with zane and he takes care of the kid until she gets home and another foreign language film from this year is shoplifters and there's a very similar thread through both of these films in that you have this joining of people uh both in capernaum and in shoplifters of people who aren't related by blood in this case, Zane and Tigrist in Shoplifters. It's literally everybody. And yet their bond is so strong. And you, you can feel the love and the care and the trust between these people. And it's 
generally greater than the displays of, of love and, and trust between blood-related people in these movies. You look at Capernaum, Zane, his family is awful. They are terrible, terrible people. And yet he meets up with a lot, you know, Tigrist, and, and so soon they are their own family unit. And there's so much love and affection between these people. And in Shoplifters, the same thing is true. You know, you, you see this family and you couldn't imagine them any other way because they care so much about each other. Now, the, the rapper on Capernaum is that one of the early scenes in the movie, and we get like two or three scenes of the uh, cutting away to this sequence into the... The, this into things that are happening in the present when all this other stuff that I've already explained is happening in the past. Zane is in court. He was arrested. We find out very early in the movie uh, for stabbing someone. He was 12 when it happened and was sentenced to five years in prison as a 12-year-old. But he's in court because he's suing his parents. He's suing his parents for having given birth to him. And I think there's just... I, I you know, I think every... I have to imagine most parents at some point have had a kid who has told them they hate them or is like, I can't stand you or go away in, you know, a fit of anger, a fit of rage, just a fit of emotion. And I think that's relatively typical of, of a kid lashing out and <clears throat> going through puberty and, and, you know, rebelling against the parents and all that kind of stuff. That happens. But to go to the extent and length that Zane goes in Capernaum where he's so vehemently against his parents that he would take them to court to sue them for birthing him is unfathomable I, you know having seen as many movies as i have you you even you don't even have to have seen that many movies but there are so many depictions of bad parental units in film and there are so many in everyday life. You know, I'm sure everyone has a friend or they themselves were someone who had parents that didn't or didn't appear to care or love them as much as somebody's else somebody else's did. Whether that's whether it's, you know, your actual parents, adopted parents, foster parents, step parents, whatever the situation might have been, you know or were somebody like that. And some, and, and then within those people, there is a subset that are driven so far and treated so poorly that they seek, you know, emancipation from their family. They, you know, run away from, from home. They, you know, whatever the case may be. But to go even a step further than that, you know, it's not simply enough to get away from these people 
I have to, you know, it, you know, it's like it's like when a, when a dog like poops on the carpet. You know, I want to rub their noses in this. I want them to see so clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, how bad I had it that I'm going to take them to court and sue them because they gave birth to me. And you kind of, you know, because that's the fir- one of the first scenes of the movie, and even up until the point where they give Sahara away, you've got to think, like, well, what really, like, like yeah, they did a pretty awful thing, but I can still see, from their point of view at least, how Sahar is going to marry somebody else. This person has money. This person has their own home. She will have a better life with him. And by let by giving her to him, uh, we can also have a better life. On on that absolute value, on the absolute value of this this exchange, I can understand the positives that come from it even if I completely disagree with the idea of trading a human being for anything. But there, there, there's... So so you, you get to that point and you have to realize, okay, there's more to this. Somehow it gets worse from here. But then we see Zane leave. Like Zane spends about half of the movie completely separated from his family. And with this new family, and and with Tigrist, and with uh, Jonas, who is her son, and you, you just, part of you kind of forgets that that's what's at stake, part of, like, the idea that he stabbed somebody kind of fluctuates in and out of your consciousness as you're trying to pay attention and and become enraptured in this new storyline in this new path for Zane and when it all does come back when it all does resolve and when you see what happens what steps led up to the final sequence what caused him to be in prison what causes him to sue his parents and then seeing them in the trial at the very end and kind of everything finally coming out, you get to hear the parents talk and defend themselves. You get to see Zane um, condemn them even further. And man, it just, it, it's heartbreaking. It, it, It's really tough to watch. I think I really like this. I I think my my biggest knock against it if it's and and it might not be a knock for everyone but i do think the story as i mentioned he's separated from his family for a long period of time i think the film stretches itself out and spreads its threads wide and you know you get 
information on... I don't know, it tries to juggle a lot of things. You have the trial that you open up with, you get to the family dynamic, you get Sahar in that situation, you get Zane finally running away, and you get Tigrest and her son, and then you have Tigrest separate her own story to deal with, and then, you know, you just have all so many balls in the air trying to juggle everything, and while I do think most of those avenues resolve in a satisfactory and um, competent way a couple of them don't a couple of them don't and I, I wish we would have had that resolution because enough time is spent with Tigrest with Jonas with with that faction of the story and I don't feel like that element is resolved sufficiently but Zane and the stabbing and Sahar and the family like I thought that did wrap up but if we're going to take such a detour away from that storyline it's got to be worth it and i think as much as i loved watching these sequences the watching zane when he was separated and, and seeing him in a completely different situation it did ring a little hollow because it didn't have as much finality to it but uh I really like this movie. I, I really did enjoy it and enjoy. Uh, I, I it's good. I think it's very good and uh, a difficult watch. You know, it, it never never at any point is this easy to 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 watch. There's maybe I don't know five minutes where uh, Zane and Tigrist and, and Jonas are are happy together before more dramatic tension and trauma and pain takes over but uh, it's tough uh directed by nadine labaki who is the mother i think i don't know who else she would be that makes sense to me. Um, no, Soad is the mother. Who is Nadine? Is Nadine the lawyer? She might be the lawyer. I think she's the lawyer. She's the lawyer that represents uh, Zane. That is, she's and she's the director. And this is the only thing of hers I've seen that she's directed. But I'm interested to see if she can. Um, I don't know, see what else she's done, and if, if it at least emotionally hits the same uh, beats that, that Capernaum can hit. But, yeah. Um, yeah, trying to avoid spoilers, not going to talk about spoilers today's episode, uh, but I, I really liked it. Where it falls for me of the nominee, nominees for foreign language film, uh, so, above Roma, <clears throat> as all of them have been, uh, above Cold War, I haven't seen Never Look Away, but not as high as Shoplifters. It's going to fall below Shoplifters. It's going to be about my third, uh, number three foreign language film of the year, uh, behind Burning and Shoplifters. Um, so, that'll probably put it at a 76, maybe a 77. Uh, I haven't scored it yet, and I have a couple, a little bit behind in that sense. 
but I'm working on it. Uh, so, yeah. Capernaum. Again, I recommend seeing it. I think there's a lot of great stuff in this. Uh, Zane, the kid, whose name is also Zane, uh, is incredible. Zane Al-Rafiye, he is brilliant as this 12-year-old boy. And Jonas, who is one, uh, it was outstanding, uh, unbelievable how perfect he was. He, he's a baby. I don't know how to, how to, he's an infant. I, I don't understand. I don't know if they could get him to do things on, on command or anything, but he, he was so great. I was shocked. But, uh, yeah, I really like this, and uh, I recommend it. So that's Capernaum. Uh, it might be in a theater, a small theater near you. If you check it out. And uh, it's a nominee for Best Foreign Language Film at this year's Oscars. So uh, that is it for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening. And if you would like to find more episodes, you can head over to CircleFilm.com where you can see a list of the current 2018 Circle Film Award nominees uh, and much, much, much more. If you would like to get in touch with me for any reason at all, um, always appreciative, love feedback, uh, uh, Twitter at circle of film or email circlefilm at gmail.com or follow me on letterbox, uh, username circle of film. You can support the show for as little as eight cents an episode, uh, patreon.com slash circle film, or, uh, just as simply you can, um, rate and review on iTunes. Um, that's it. Thanks one more time. And as always have a week. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.